0: To the QI chat room. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transition to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode features Michaela Moss, a health educator from Marin City Health and Wellness Center, who will talk about their food access and nutrition education initiatives. This is a unique episode, as it was recorded in March of 2020, just as the pandemic was starting to affect health centers. Many of the health center's patient programs, including an in-person food pharmacy program, have been put on hold since the recording due to the pandemic. Please keep this in mind as you listen. With that, here's Michaela.
1: So, our food pharmacy program launched about two and a half years ago in Marin City. We're basically looking to close the gap in both food security as well as health disparities amongst our patients. This program is primarily targeting patients who have high blood pressure and diabetes and struggle with obesity. However, anyone who is at risk for developing hypertension, obesity, or diabetes is also eligible to participate in the program. This program, we really, when designing it, hoped to create a community approach where we got community buy in at every step of the way and continue to really um, take community interest, keep community interests in mind so that this program is continually giving back to those within Marin City. As Marin City is a small community, um, we wanted to make sure that this program, coming from the clinic, felt that it met the needs of the people we serve. Essentially, our food pharmacy program includes not only access to free food, which we give out once a week on Tuesdays at the food pharmacy, but also coupled health interventions with this free food. So we will distribute, um, we do blood pressure checks as well as glucose checks provided by um, either volunteer nursing students or medical assistants. Typically our Patients also have the opportunity to meet with a medical provider as well to kind of assess any health goals, potentially make any medication changes, or follow up on any information that uh, came up during the uh, health screeners. Additionally, we also have a cooking demonstration that incorporates the healthy food that we receive each week from our sf food bank donations and um, typically, I'll prepare that in kind of a quick, um, easy recipe that is limited to typically no more than five ingredients. And we also have some sort of nutrition presentation by a local nutritionist. All of these elements, the goal is that, you know, each week our patients can come together, check in with each other, and check in with us, and really kind of form a stronger community and understand that us here at the clinic are interested in helping to work towards uh, improving their health and well-being um, and that we're really there for them each step of the way. This program is really a joint effort by our clinic staff as well as the um, SF Marin Food Bank and Marin Department of Health and Human Services. And basically around three years ago, the three of us, all came together to figure out how we could uh, kind of expand the San Francisco Marin Food Bank's food pharmacy program from San Francisco County over into Marin County. And they were really looked, they looked to us to kind of start the first food pharmacy in Marin County. Frankly, this this program has grown a lot over time and we've learned a lot through different trials that we've had to kind of undergo. We started out with really only reaching roughly three to five people a week, and now we're reaching 30 to 40 people a week. So um, we've definitely learned a lot around the way along the way. And what's been wonderful is both of our um, partners in this have enabled us to shape the program in a way that most benefits our patient population, uh, both in terms of the date, the data we're collecting and um, the structure of the actual program.
2: Could you talk a little bit about how this got started? Where did the the funding come from?
1: Definitely, yeah, so around three years ago when we all um, sat down together to kind of discuss where, um, how we were were gonna launch the food pharmacy, we didn't have a clear funding source for this program. Really though, it didn't require All that much, at least initially, in the way of external funding to really get it up and running, as the food was all donated by the SF Marin Food Bank. All we really needed to cover was, at least at that point, staff time. Over the course of the um, growth of the food pharmacy, we were able to gain funding uh, through the Marin Community Foundation through their HEAL grant, the Healthy Eating Active Living for Older Adults. And that gave us both a target population with which to kind of work as well as also a um, additional funding to purchase supplies and cover staff time during uh, the course of the food pharmacy. So that, and then additionally, we've um, also received smaller grants from the County of Marin through health and human, their Health and Human Services Department to further supplement um, the expanding of our program. This has enabled us to buy our own blood pressure machines, glucometers, set up easy Ups. And uh, also get other promotional materials like sandwich boards and stuff like that to really display the um, Food Pharmacy program and cre- create a very um, recognizable logo associated with the program.
2: What kind of staffing is involved? So who, what are the, the staff roles? What are their titles?
1: It mainly falls on uh, the health educator, which in this case is myself, to do most of the strategic coordinating for the food pharmacy. So when it comes to promoting for the food pharmacy, I will I've designed and sent out flyers, called uh, any eligible participant, and also can further communicated with our medical ta- team as well in terms of who I think would be best a best fit for the program. So in regards to my time during the course of the food pharmacy. I, you know, will am involved with both the setup and running of and cleanup of the food pharmacy. We also have um, typically a medical assistant out there with us as well during the hour or so of the food pharmacy and typically also will have a medical provider out there who can then further assess the patient's health needs. That tends to be most of the staffing requirements that we need. We also do have a really strong group of volunteers who um, help kind of fill additional roles. So they will help us set up all of our equipment. They may even, you know, provide some nutrition presentations, and really are kind of the backbone that enables our program to function.
2: That's great. And you mentioned providers sometimes being patients. Is it one mm-hmm. or two providers that are specifically assigned to this program, or is it whatever provider that patient sees, that provider will come out?
1: So it really depends kind of on the capacity of the clinic on a given day. So for, for example, we also run, um, we recently started a food pharmacy program at our San Francisco location. And at the San Francisco location, we have a designated provider who's out there every week. And it just so happens that that is, one um very well loved provider who most patients really look forward to seeing each week. So it works out to where they, you know, they recognize our physician's assistant Danielle, who Danielle Jackson, who's able to kind of be out there and really kind of foster a deep relationship with the patients. However at our Marin City site, it does tend to be more of a rotation where it's whatever provider is available to be out there will be out there and it's not necessarily the patient's primary provider.
2: Okay. And are you able to bill for those visits when the provider sees the patient in a traditional way, or is it billed differently or billed not at all?
1: Whenever a patient is seen by a provider, we are able to bill for that time. That being said, when we have the food pharmacy and there isn't a provider who's available to meet with the patient, then we aren't able to bill for those visits. Um, we've played around a bit with other possible billing structures potentially utilizing group visits and stuff of that sort. However, we found that this kind of one-on-one model has been um, works best for our format.
2: Okay. And could you speak a little bit about the cohort of patients and how that works? Like how many you accept and what that looks like mm-hmm. um, for them to move through the program as a cohort?
1: The cohort model was something that um, was initially put forward by the SF Marin Food Bank as a way to make this really a transition program for patients. We would enable them to get access to food and reach their health goals and then they would eventually graduate onto long-term pantries within the community. At um, our Marin City location, the cohort model typically consists of about 30 patients who will come throughout the 12 weeks of our program. And these patients are recruited through basically uh, chronic conditions that are cataloged within our um, EMR. And so we're able to pull a list of patients who have either, typically we're looking at patients with hypertension, diabetes um, or obesity or risk factors for those and we will send out flyers to these patients' houses, letting them know that they um, are eligible for this program. Uh, additionally, I will scan the providers' um, schedules for the day, and if there are patients who um, would qualify for the program, I'll then sit with the providers during their morning huddles and let them know exactly what patients at what times qualify so that way they can also further make the pitch. Um, And then the patients will come to the first program, follow us through for the whole 12 weeks and then graduate at the end. We do have um, the ability though for patients to kind of go through multiple cycles with us as well, since we are really working on fostering a community. So we let our patients kind of graduate from the program three times, participating in three cohorts before they finally become food pharmacy advocates and at that point they have the opportunity to take on a volunteer role within the food pharmacy um, but are no longer kind of seen as one of the participants within the program
2: can you speak to what data you're measuring uh, throughout the program maybe blood pressure and other metrics like that and if there are any things that you hope to measure in the future
1: as you mentioned blood pressure is definitely one of the um, biometrics that we're tracking along with glucose um those have been the main biometrics that we've tracked over the course of the program. We also have uh, surveys that we distribute both during the first week of the food pharmacy and during the final week. And this enables us to get a bit more background on our participants. So we're typically collecting information on both like basic demographic information. So we can compare that with what's in their chart and see if anything has changed and update information accordingly, but we're also asking our patients about where they're at getting access to food, kind of what their attitudes are around around food, whether they're enjoying, enjoy having, you know, whether they have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, enjoy cooking with fruits and vegetables, or enjoy cooking at all, um, just to kind of get a sense of really where our patients are at and help inform the programming that we offer over the course of the food pharmacy. In the future, we also would love to expand the biometrics that we offer. Um, we've talked about also screening for A1Cs with our patients, but I think there's been kind of a bit more of a struggle implementing that in place. That's something we're looking to do in the future. Additionally, one other, bio, one other metric that could seem really relevant to inclusion, but we've kind of actively, um, somewhat actively shied away from, is capturing Um, the BMI of our patients, because it's really difficult to kind of encourage our patients to step on a scale when they're outdoors, and potentially, you know, it's a a very vulnerable moment for a patient to kind of be weighed in front, potentially, you know, surrounded by others. We've kind of avoided that one and stuck more with the, you know, glucose and uh, blood pressure.
2: And as you think about the future, Um, Mm -hmm. What are your sustainability plans, or do you feel like the program is sustainable at this point?
1: Yeah, thinking in terms of long-term sustainability, I think this program is fairly well set up to be sustainable in the long run. I mean, at this point, we've been able to purchase a lot of the long-term supplies that we would need, those coolers, um, glucometers, blood pressure cuts. And you know the tables and chairs, all that sort of stuff. And that those really those physical items were one of the main barriers at the beginning that kind of prevented us from further expanding and having this more formal setup. Uh, however, going forward, now that we have all these supplies, as long as we're able to have staff support and um, enable staff to kind of you know put this into their their workflows and their weeks then I think it's completely sustainable in the long run, um, seeing as the food is all donated and we do get a decent amount of volunteer support as well.
2: That's really good to hear. Are there any plans to integrate this work any more with the medical side? So for example, syncing um, information into the EHR
1: that you use and, like, standardized fields? That's one thing that we definitely have struggled with over... course of our time since we use um, ECW, we do struggle when when we put the biometrics into ECW, we then aren't able to necessarily run reports on the blood pressure and blood sugar because they're um, listed as vitals within there. We kind of struggle to find a way to further integrate everything into one um, platform. However, by having a provider out there, we are able to log and um, better track the information that we're collecting from the patients. Also by sitting in on provider huddles, I'm able to you know, further promote the program and make it something that kind of remains relevant and on, um, on our providers' minds as well.
2: That's great. Yeah, it seems like there is some integration already and I know Marin City has been doing, um, with your MAP program, you've been doing some integration with dental mm-hmm. and safety for health. So that's fantastic. What a lot of integration
1: at Maroon City. Are
2: there any other yeah. next steps that you want to tell um, us about in this program?
1: So, well, currently at the moment, we've been working closely with um, the team from Marin County Health and Human Services to further promote the work that we've been doing. And we actually applied to do a presentation at the American Public Health Association Conference, um, which will be held in San Francisco in 2020. So we're hoping to be able to further bring the um, preliminary results from this program to a broader audience and kind of help spark additional conversation around how this work can be applied on a broader scale. Is there any
2: involvement um, with children maybe like a family
1: approach with this program? Are your kids love to be involved at, at all? We do love having families come out and participate in the program as well. However, we haven't really taken a kid focused approach. Basically the location of our food pharmacy is set up outdoors right next to our clinic, but it's also situated right in between um, the Marin City Rec Center and the Martin Luther King uh, Elementary School. So we have kids who kind of pass back and forth between the rec center and the school throughout the course of the program. They're aware that we're out there. They also tend to run over and can see what's in our basket. We'll give them some fresh fruit, then tell them a bit about the program, maybe pass out a flyer to encourage them to come back with their parents when the program ends. However, we haven't worked to really formally integrate families within the program Mainly because of just the timing of when we're holding the program, we have um, have our program on Tuesdays between three and four o'clock, and that's a time that tends to work for a lot of the older adults within our community, but may not is not necessarily ideal for parents. That's kind of been one of the the struggles in terms of broadening our food um, pharmacy to further include uh, more families.
2: Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to share? I think those were all of my questions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess when thinking about just kind of thinking about how to apply the food pharmacy program more broadly um, for other clinics that may have kind of a a different structure than ours, I think that it's just kind of important to to get connected with any local food pantries within the area um, for You know, clinics in Marin, the SF Marin Food Bank is a great place to start there. Really working on engaging the patients that each clinic serves, I think, can be really vital in terms of working with recruitment and retention. That's definitely something we struggled with at first. We were only seeing about five patients a week. Um, But by really working to meet the needs of our own community and um, earn community trust, we've been able to really grow our program. So I think you know finding those sort of community leaders and having them have buy-in to the program is a great way to you kind know, of further situate um and grow any sort of food resource program
0: back in march i asked michaela how the pandemic had been affecting their programs so far here's what she said
1: it's it's been all right we've had to put our san francisco food pharmacy on hiatus uh for the time being but in Marin, we've been kind of doing more of a brown bag approach, so we've been able to bag up the food and have patients just come through and collect it because it is such a vital resource for a lot of our patients. Since March, Marin City Health
0: and Wellness Center has continued to adapt their programs and services offered as local restrictions and stay-at-home orders change. They have a virtual food pharmacy for their Marin City participants. This is a space to strengthen social connection and increase education on hypertension and diabetes. They also continue to connect patients to local food banks. The health center is incentivizing participation in the new virtual food pharmacy by offering coupons for the Rolling Root, a mobile farmer's market that is in Marin City every Thursday. Marin City Health and Wellness also provide patients blood pressure cuffs and glucometers to increase their home monitoring of their illnesses. A big thank you to today's presenter, participants, and our listeners. I'm your host, Kelly Bond, and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room.